Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. Pastor Holly, thanks to you, I can feel the joy. Right in my quads. Well, this morning we continue, uh, we continue a sermon series, our f- uh, fifth and final sermon in our deeper sermon series about the values of South Elkhorn Christian Church, extravagant welcome, real rest, spiritual resilience, courageous conversation, and today, contagious joy. These values spring from our mission statement to inspire Christ's deeper way of love deeper way of love. The way of love, love in its depth, is what we find in moments of extravagant welcome and spiritual resilience and real rest and courageous conversation and contagious joy. Contagious joy. Now, I will say when the vision team was putting together these words, which were meant to, uh, these values, which were meant to capture something true about our church life and help us aspire towards faithfulness to the gospel, faithfulness to the love of God in Jesus Christ, uh, we didn't yet have a worldwide pandemic, so contagious joy sounded a little bit different. I'm really glad we didn't lean into that value in creating a tagline of South Elkhorn, you'll catch something. Like that, just that. Even so, I think that insight that joy can spread and impact others and grow beyond just the immediate experience that we might have of it is an incredibly important insight, not into just what joy is and what joy means, but what it means to be a people of faith, to be a church, to be a community of believers, to be a people grounded in and centered on the love of God that we experience in Jesus Christ. Now, You might expect a sermon on joy to turn to the letter of joy, the epistle of joy, the place where we often go to when we're talking about joy, which is Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians. And that's because joy is all over that letter, and it's an important and beautiful letter, one that helps us see the power of joy in in places of adversity and suffering and difficulty and oppression. And yes, in Paul's case in Philippi, even imprisonment. That perhaps joy is something different than this subjective experience of pleasure that we might otherwise call happiness. That joy is bigger and deeper, more powerful than this happiness that is good and important in our lives, but not the full picture. And yet, I didn't want to go there because we we might lose sight of the fact that joy isn't just something that Paul was all about. That Jesus was about joy too. That Jesus' life, Jesus' life, his ministry, even we see it even in his death and especially his resurrection, there were moments of great joy. We see at the beginning of the gospel accounts when the the angels bring a message to the to the people about the, the birth of Christ, there's joy and glad tidings. And we see it in the surprise of the resurrection, the joy of those who had discovered that Christ. Was risen, And yet, even throughout his teaching and in his presence and ministry with others and his healing with others, Jesus embodied and experienced and made mention of joy. Indeed, I want to suggest this, that a church that doesn't have any joy might not be doing church right. 
And I don't know why, I don't know why it, it has become a perception of church that it's a place to be boring and somber and serious. Well, perhaps because what we are talking about and dealing with are weighty, important, deeply personal and deeply impactful realities that we do want to take with seriousness. We do want to experience stillness. We do want to take grief and sorrow seriously. And yet, there's joy. There's real joy. Being a person of faith is also about joy. And being a church that gathers together, being a people who gathers together to worship God means there is space and it is right and good to laugh and smile and delight and to experience and to spread joy. Indeed, when our vision team was working on the values of the church, one of the things they wanted to give voice to was the kind of energy and creativity and lightness of being and playfulness that is true of our church. But it's not just because it's some abstract feel-good thing, it's because it's related deeply to the message and to the ministry of Jesus and those who would come after Jesus to spread the good news of God's love in Jesus. So let's turn to John chapter 15, where Jesus makes mention of joy. Now, the context for John chapter 15 is uh, this farewell discourse. Jesus has gathered with his disciples in a room and had a supper with them and did this crazy, wild, amazing thing where he got on his hands and knees and he's washed their feet and he's given them a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. And then he continues to instruct and teach his disciples and we get this This conversation, this instruction in John chapter 15, reading verses 9 through 17. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Ground yourself, anchor yourself, live continuously and continually in that love. If you keep my commandments, remember the commandment, love one another as I have loved you, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. This love that is flowing from God through me into the world will be experienced and extended by you loving one another. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you. The very joy of Christ may be in each and every one of you and us together. And that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You have what you need to know. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name, for I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The word of God for the people of God. Wherever love is, joy can follow. Indeed, you may have heard it said that um, 
justice is what love looks like in public. And I would suggest that joy is what love looks like in its depth. Wherever there is love, joy can follow. And the life of faith, grounded and centered and anchored in love, can, often does, have joy, great joy. When was the last time you experienced joy? I can give testimony to just about an hour or so, two hours ago, when some of you were arriving to the church. I was in McMahon Hall welcoming people as they were coming through the doors because today was the first time in 23 months since March 8th, 2020, that we have had full building in-person Sunday school. Now, it looked a little bit different. People were masked. They were keeping distance in order to be safe and mindful in this COVID era. And yet, this was just so incredible. And perhaps you felt it from me if you saw me. I was... You couldn't see it behind my mask, but there was a huge smile on my face, and I just felt this incredible exuberance and sense of joy and energy because because I believe what happens here on Sunday mornings in groups about learning and growing in faith, connecting with others, is incredibly important. It's crucial to what it means to be a people of faith, to be church, to be faithful to the gospel. And it's incredible. It, It was amazing. It brought my heart such joy to see people coming in to find a class, perhaps for the very first time, to learn and grow and connect. Joy. When was the last time you experienced joy? Perhaps it was not too long ago as Pastor Holly was right here on this stage leading us in this beautiful, wonderful illustration of how joy can spread, of how joy can be given from one person to the next to the next. As we laughed and I did my best to make a J and apparently one of the children had to tell me afterwards that I probably could have just got down on my knees. It would have been a lot easier. Children are so smart. And we laughed and we smiled and perhaps you felt it as I did. There was joy joy. When was the last time you experienced joy? Joy is incredibly important to the life of faith because wherever love goes, joy can follow. So joy is more than happiness. Joy, and I don't want to denigrate or demean or push aside happiness. I think happiness is a really important thing, but I do want to suggest that joy is something bigger that joy is something more deep and profound and lasting. Indeed, I want to suggest this, that no one can rob us of joy. That external circumstances don't have to rob us of joy. And that's because this, if joy follows love, then wherever we can still choose love, joy can follow. It's why Jesus, looking at the the shadow of the cross, knowing full well, well where things were headed. It's why he can gather with his disciples and make symbolic reference to a death that is coming and still speak about his joy being in his disciples. While he can still say that our lives are meant to be marked by joy because Jesus chose to love anyway. Jesus chose to trust the power, the everlasting, eternal, forgiving, healing, life-giving power of love and knew, and knew that even though death and suffering and hurt were ahead of him, that that would not be the whole story. 
wherever we can still choose love, joy is possible. Which is why St. Paul, sitting in a prison cell, writing a letter to the church at Philippi and other churches, could still speak about joy, the joy of the gospel, of sharing the good news with people who were there who could experience the inclusion of God, the healing of God, the forgiving of God, the life-giving reality of God. He could speak of joy because he could still choose love. And so as we exist in a world where there's great division, ongoing pandemic realities that challenge us, where we experience diagnoses and illnesses and death, that is not the end of the story for joy. Because so long as we can choose love, joy can follow. Joy is what love looks like, what love feels like in its depth. And my hope and my prayer is that when we gather as church, when we gather to worship, when we gather to fellowship, when we gather to learn and to study and to serve the world, that joy will follow because it's done from a place of love. Love for each other, love for the world, love for God, God's love for us. I vividly remember, I vividly remember one of the moments of great joy in my life. Uh, I asked my daughter if I could share this story with you. Um, when my two oldest kids came to live with me and Rebecca, um, we learned after uh, getting them into school that uh, my oldest, Bailey, uh, was selectively mute. I didn't know what that was, had no clue what that was, had to learn that she wasn't just shy and reluctant to speak in a classroom setting, that she actually was so paralyzed with fear and anxiety that she would not even make a sound, a voice, a vocalization. Indeed, I still remember one day when I was volunteering in the classroom setting, I was at the, at the playground and I saw from across the playground that she fell off the monkey bars. And she, I knew she was hurt. I mean, you can just tell, you know, that, that parental instinct like, ooh, this isn't going to be good. Like, I'm, this isn't one of those like sit back and like dust yourself off, you'll be okay. This was like rush to your daughter, pick her up. And I could tell she was in pain. I mean, just her body was convulsing and she what she was doing was she was not making a sound. Tears were streaming from her eye and she would not cry so people could hear. And as a father, that just ripped at my heart. I love my child. I want her to be able to express herself and be who she is with people and make friends and learn and grow. And I know that this experience, this difficulty, this challenge, this hardship that she's going through is keeping that from her and making it even so she was taking all the pain that she had and putting it inside. Now, thankfully, I'm married to an incredible woman who um, knows how to research something, and so we became experts, armchair experts in selective mutism and began to figure out ways that we could help our child overcome and conquer this, and we knew it would be a long and difficult and tedious journey, and part of it meant that we would have to take little teeny steps. I learned about this thing called the verbal ladder, didn't even know this existed, about starting with simple things that help a child grow in confidence just making a vocalization like, oh, is a huge step. So I was learning this thing called the verbal ladder, was volunteering in her school, and then we realized it might be helpful to extend this arena of safety by inviting a friend from school over to our house. And hopefully, maybe, to develop an opportunity to, to talk to a friend. But of course, no surprise, the friend brought the school context with them, and so that meant our home now became a quiet zone. 
And so we did our best to play despite being quiet, being, not talking, being mute. And then this friend looked at me and looked at Bailey and said, I'm not going home until you talk. I want to hear your voice. So we started small. We had a video of Bailey talking, and I showed that to her, and she was like, Bailey, I love your voice. And then we said, hey, let's play a game. Let's play a game. Um, Bailey, we're going we're gonna to go into the room, and your friend's going to be with us, and we're going to cover you with a blanket, and I'm going to ask you a question, and I know the answer to this question. And if you feel comfortable and confident, that way you don't have to see your friend, you can just say it to me. Nope, we're not doing it. Okay. Well, what if I have your friend leave the room? The friend did. The door was still open, stood in the doorway. And I said, what is your favorite kind of ice cream? Chocolate. Oh, I, I couldn't hear that. I think I know what it is, but I'd like to hear it a little bit louder. What, what's your favorite kind of ice cream? Chocolate. Oh, do you want to say it loud enough so that Eloise can hear it? Chocolate. Oh, and I took down the blanket and the look on Bailey's friend's face. Eyes aglow, smile. And the look on Bailey's face, eyes aglow, smile. I said, she heard you. Your voice is beautiful. And her friend said, Bailey, I love your voice. Can we play? Still took a little while to warm up after those words. But my heart was filled with joy. Because her friend loved her enough to say, I want to hear your voice. And I'm not leaving until I hear you speak. Because I care about you that much. My heart was filled with joy because I witnessed a small act of love lead to a small step on a larger, longer healing journey. I was so filled with joy that I said, guess where we're going? Get in the wagon. We're walking to the corner store and I'm getting y'all ice cream, chocolate ice cream, and we're having milkshakes. I was so filled with joy. I was overflowing with joy. They got in the wagon. We walked and we walked and we kept walking. It was a lot further than I thought. It was like making a J in public. And we went and got ice cream, and then it melted on the way back, and I made sloppy milkshakes, and we celebrated, and we laughed, and Bailey still wouldn't talk at school, because <laughs> it was just a small step and a much longer journey, but it was one that gave me hope. It was one that I will cherish. It was one that I wanted to share with great joy with others because a friend loved my daughter and helped her take a step of healing and wholeness. Now eventually, she would talk in school. Now we can't get her to stop talking sometimes. And I have to remind myself, this is a miracle every time it happens. Miracle, that's what it is. But my heart was filled with joy, joy. And I thought to myself, this is what Jesus is talking about. 
Because when the church gathers to do the work of love, to be grounded in the work and wonder of love, healing happens, transformation happens, new connections and meaning happens. Joy is something that happens in relationship. It's something that happens with other people, and it's something we experience because of what love shows up to do. Wherever you can choose love, joy can follow. And the people of God who are grounded in the mystery and the majesty of God's love are a people of joy because we can always and we dare always to choose to love. To love in big ways and small ways, in challenging ways and easy ways, but to love. And when that joy comes, it's okay to let it flow. It's okay to let it go. It's okay to smile and laugh and delight. I still remember, I still remember, and I, I'll confess, when I got the call that South Elkhorn Christian Church had chosen me to be senior minister of this church, I may have squealed. I kid you not, I did one of these things and I was, I was just so excited. And it's okay to be fully and completely who we are and to be real because that's what love does. It goes to places that are real, real suffering and real grief, real sorrow and real pain, real heartache and real rejection, real oppression and real injustice. And the work and wonder of love can show up to make a difference in people's lives and in the lives of our world. And wherever love is, joy can and does follow. And before I close this morning, I want to be very clear. We are complicated creatures, and we can experience more than one thing at a time, emotionally. We can experience grief and we can experience joy. We can experience sadness and we can experience joy. We can experience disappointment and we can experience joy. Joy doesn't mean we don't have those other things. And there's a kind of toxic happiness that seems to be like everything's fine, everything's great, everything's wonderful, I just have to be cheery and all the time. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about joy. We're talking about being real. Because love goes to what's real. And the depth of love brings forth joy. And so when it comes to spreading joy, I want to suggest this. You don't have to spread artificial cheer and artificial happiness. Here's what you got to do. Go love. And let yourself be loved. And then shout for joy. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkhorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.